0: Dear teacher friend, welcome to the Simply Teach podcast. I'm your host, Kelly Jackson, and each week I bring on a teacher friend to talk about simple ways to engage our students, stay motivated, and keep up with best practices. I'm so glad you're here. Today's guest is Holly Sadler. Holly is a counselor in Austin, Texas, but before that, she taught for four years in a second and third grade classroom. Fun fact is that we actually spent four years as teammates. She'll talk more about it in our interview, but we share many fun memories sharing a wall for four years. We knock secret knocks to each other in the middle of lessons and have competitions with our kids to see whose class could chant the loudest, and we worked really hard as planning partners to create lots of fun lessons for our kiddos. What I love best about Holly is her passion for people. She joined our team after my first year of teaching. I don't think I've ever told her this, but when I found out our team was getting a new member, I of course jumped on Facebook to creep her. And when I saw that she was a young girl like me, I was super stoked to have a friend my age at our school. But since the beginning, she's always been passionate about making other people feel welcomed and included, which is why I think her recent job change from a classroom teacher to a school counselor is the perfect fit for her. I'm so excited for you to get to listen in on our conversation. We shared lots of laughs, and I hope we make you laugh too. Oh, and also, I went into a brief rant about this new book that I'm reading, and I have to be honest, I didn't really have any clue what I was talking about, so just keep that in mind when you get to that point. I think you'll know what I'm talking about. Let's get to it. Here's my conversation with Holly. Welcome to the Simply Teach podcast, Holly. I'm super excited to have you here. Thanks for Um, having me. Yeah, will you tell us a little bit about who you are, where you teach, how long you've taught, kind of just the generic rundown?
1: Sure. Well, um, Kelly and I have been teaching friends for the past five years, five years Mm -hmm. now. Yeah. She actually was right next door to me We've been we were next door to each other our my entire career teaching. Yep. Um for 4 years at the same school in Kyle, Texas. I taught for 4 years, um, but before that I got my masters in social work. So I made a transition at the end of last year and looked for a job more in the mental health and counseling field. And so now I am a school counselor at a charter school in South Austin, which has been a a whirlwind ride. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Are you liking it so far?
1: Yeah, it's been great. It's, um, it's a little different than teaching, obviously. Um, I think the, the best part is um, getting to work with kids one-on-one, getting to know their hearts. I think the hardest part is just being the only one in my field at my school. So you don't have like, your, your buddies that you can reach out to and ask for tips or advice. And I realized another kind of bummer thing around Christmas time, when everybody was having their Christmas party, I didn't have a Christmas party to go to. So
0: <laughs> I just bounced around to all the classrooms and visited everybody. So that's kind of fun. Cause you get all the fun without like the mess of having to clean it up. Or... That is true. You just show up
1: and tell the teachers how much fun it looks, but you don't have any glitter on your floor. You don't have, you know, frosting Did you see glitter in your classroom when you were teaching. Oh yeah, I let the glitter happen. It was a controlled substance, but um, that's I what. it is. So
0: for people listening, Holly and I, we started out in third grade together for a year. I guess it was it was my second year, um, when. So we were teach I was teaching my first year and third grade and then you came in my second year, your first year we spent in third grade, and then we spent the next three years in second I'm sorry. First year and third grade, next three years, right, in second grade. Uh-huh. And we got uh, into a good system. We did. But now, so the person Holly worked with last year, Catherine, or for the past three years as her partner, is now my partner. I know. And, um, So we share kids and work together. And when we were getting ready for all the Christmas stuff, she was like, are you going to do glitter? Holly always did glitter. And I was like, (laughs) no, (laughs) I am not like Holly. I will not do glitter in the classroom. Oh my goodness. I can't believe she asked that. Yeah, she did. It was funny. I was like, nope, that's not, I can't, I can't deal with that kind of mess. I do allow more power to you. I do
1: allow glitter in my counseling room too. And it's, well, that's, been, that's a more contained, you would be surprised though. Yeah. Honestly. Yeah. <laughs> so I've been um, kind of getting trained and learning how to do play therapy. And one of the um, things about it is that you, as a therapist, you take a really non-directive role. So meaning like you don't tell kids a lot you really don't tell them anything that to do. I mean, there's Mm -hmm. limits, but for example, there have been times where kids have used glitter and like my teacher brain is on fire thinking like, Oh my gosh, I would have controlled or contained this in such a different way. If I was in the teacher role, but as the counselor or the therapist, you are giving them a lot more freedom than you would in the classroom when you have 25,
0: Mm -hmm. you know, so it's just a different role. So, okay. You said you're at a charter school. And so explain that to me. Like what, it, I don't really quite understand how it's different because it's like a public school, right?
1: Yeah. I think the similarities. So Kelly and I taught at a public school, which is why she's probably asking that, um, before I moved into a charter school. And I think the main similarity is that both charter schools and public schools are open to anyone. um, Now, because they have, you know, more people interested than they can allow in, they do a, um, a lot of charter schools do, it's kind of like a lottery system for enrollment. So Mm -hmm. when people want to come to the school, they enter into a lottery and they pick certain people's application. Um, The other part of it is that they both get government funding, so a charter school is funded by taxpayers, um, just like a public school. But the biggest so difference do
0: star and everything do what? You'll do star testing
1: uh-huh okay. yeah now be, the biggest difference is that a charter school can have a very different mission and agenda than a public school. so um, you know they can have very different kind of mission and goals uh that they want to accomplish with their students um that's more can seem more private if that makes sense um, like private
0: schoolish yes
1: okay. yes um and they have the freedom to do that because they're a charter school and they aren't uh bound by the state in that oh. way so that's the so you- that's the biggest difference i've seen do you feel
0: like the I mean I guess it's hard to tell because you're in a different role, but do you feel like the work environment is different like is it less stressful or um, less- I mean I think
1: that the there's there's I think there's both I mean I think because there's a different mission and different goals I mean. I think all teachers and schools have similar goals, but for example, like one of the goals of our school, um, is centered around like creating global citizens. So there's a lot of focus on, um, like multiculturalism. Um, and so that's an added interest an added agenda item for teachers to, get across to their students. But in some ways, there's more freedom to be creative. And that's one of the things I've loved the most about my job is that I don't, there's not a prescription for what my job looks like. And so I've really done some creation of my well, own. I think
0: that's totally you because in the classroom, you were, I mean, you were such a creative, always doing crafts with the kids, always doing creative things. And I feel like In the classroom, that gets hard because you're so constrained by time that you like, that's one thing I struggle with in teaching is like losing that, the fun part, Uh because it's like, got to get this done, got to get this done. Oh, you don't understand this. Oh, well, we're moving on because you know, we've got this test coming up or whatever.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And that was, that was something I didn't know about myself before I started teaching was that I really thrive in an environment where I can be creative and teaching allowed that for me. But like you said, there are limits to that. Um, and I think the other part that I see as being really a sweet part about charter schools is that it's a smaller, um, population. So you just feel a lot more close knit, kind of like a family atmosphere. How many kids do y'all have? Um, Each grade has two or three classes and each class has about 25 kids. So,
0: oh wow. That's a lot. So, but compared to... Like a lot of kids in a class, I mean. Well, I mean, I guess I don't know how many
1: kids exactly, to be honest. You can edit that part out. I don't know how <laughs> But I know that there's only like two or three gray. I mean I mean two or three um, yeah classrooms. And yeah. so um it feels smaller than like a second grade that has seven teachers, if that yeah. makes sense.
0: Yeah so what is a typical day or do you have a typical day in your new job
1: um like what does it look like yeah no day is really typical um i'm really trying to develop a schedule because i do see kids one on one and so you know similar to a traditional therapist or counselor i have appointments so certain kids that i get and meet with at certain times and so they'll meet with me for a half hour and then go back to class. Um, but in between that, I'm either writing notes, I'm working on curriculum for the classroom or for my small groups. I'm kicking off some small groups in the um, when we come back from Christmas, which I'm really excited about. Um, and then some of it is just responding to crisis type stuff. I'll get a phone call or I'll see a teacher in the hallway or... Um, I work pretty closely with the administrators. So sometimes I end up being another um, responder when it comes to emergencies or behaviors. Um, yeah, Someone that can like be the person that helps kids calm down or deescalate. So that's right. been, which I, I, you know, even in four years of teaching, I actually experienced a lot. So in some ways I feel like, God prepared me for what I'm doing now, um, just giving me some really challenging kids in the beginning, which when you're in the moment you don't you don't understand that, but later on
0: you realize the value. Let's talk about uh, both of our second years of teaching so my second year of teaching was your first year of teaching. Right. And and I that, was just like trying to survive. <laughs> yeah. And that is what I have like affectionately named the year of hell.
1: Yeah.
0: Because uh, it, it was a very rough year for me behaviorally. I had quite a few. I think I had four boys in that class that were high need behavior just constantly requiring my attention and taking focus off of the other kids so that I you know I was always having to spend all my time with them and not being able to teach. And then you had a difficult second year. And um, I would say fourth year, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think yeah. I think I was more um it's
1: like the band aid had already been pulled off at that point. Right,
0: <laughs> yeah. Because your fourth year, I guess you it was the same kind of thing. You had a few high need. Yes. Uh, Whereas your second year was more of just kind of focused around one or two students that were very, uh, requiring of your time. So I, when I was thinking about our interview and us talking today, I remember, um, my second year of teaching and you, I mean, I cried a lot to you that year, I think. Yeah. Um, I cried a lot to everybody that year, but, um, I remember you telling me, I don't, I don't, remember how you said it, but you told me every day, go home and take off all of your clothes, all of your work clothes. <laughs> <laughs> Do you remember this? I think so. And you were like, put on, you know, fresh clothes, like to kind of help. And I think this was your like social work degree coming out, uh-huh. but, um, to kind of like help transition my mind from school to home uh-huh. so that I could like relax and, um, you know, not let what was going on at school come home and affect me there. So talk as little or as much as you want about your second year and fourth year and then what you kind of did to, um, like, keep, stay sane and, you know, keep chugging along.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think it's, it's different for everybody, um, but I think there's probably a few things that I would say – could be helpful for anyone. Um, I know for me, the biggest thing that made a difference was, um, well, for me, my faith, uh, just having a strong foundation, um, and praying a lot, um, listening to music that reminded me of encouraging things on the way to work, uh, having that as an encouragement for me really was helpful in that season. I think, at least having one or two people that you felt like you could really be vulnerable with. Um, and I mean, I, I know you said that I, you came in my room and cried. Mm-hmm. I know I would come sit in your green
0: hey, I got rid of fuzzy that chair. chair and it's just now cry. Cody's gaming chair. It, oh, it's, man. it's his video game chair that he sits in. Oh my
1: gosh. That chair. I would come in that chair, sit in that chair and I would, you would almost fall asleep. Cause I always put my lights off. I hate fluorescent lights. Oh, I know. Me too. So, I mean, I think those are two big things that were helpful for me. Uh, and then I think, yeah, the, the, what I recommended to you is something that was recommended when I was in social work school, when you're in a really tough, uh, field, especially, um, like when you're giving a lot of yourself and you need a transition before you get home, just to show like, I'm in a new place. I don't need to think about work anymore. So I would change clothes. I would leave my work bag in the car a lot, even if I brought home work to do. I mean, that last year of teaching, I don't think I brought work home once. Yeah. I mean, really. So I think getting to the point where I was, I think by that fourth year, I had a much better routine and a much better boundary between work and home. Um, and I think some of that just came with practice. So honestly, in, in hard times, um, I would just encourage teachers to remember that it won't last forever. It feels like it's going to last forever. But the beautiful thing about the teaching profession is, A, mm-hmm. you get breaks. So you get to like look forward to, okay, I'm almost to Christmas. I'm almost to spring break. And then the other thing is, at the end of a season you have a fresh start and you get to have a new group of kids and new new school supplies and new decor in your room if you want and it's just a new start it's like making new year's resolutions you get to start over and so i think that really helped me too having those transition points and knowing okay, I'm not going to be in this forever. And I had a precious group my my, my second yeah. I mean my third and year I that, that was the
0: same thing for, but like, I feel like we patterned, like you patterned after me kind of like first year was good. Second year was really hard. And then third year it was like, here's a great group of precious kids. Yeah. To, you know, kind of help. Cause in that hard time, like it's, you, you think like, I remember calling my dad being like, I can't do this anymore. I don't want to teach anymore. Mm -hmm. But then, you know, I made it through that year. And that third year was a group that reminded me why I joined teaching in the first place.
1: Yeah. And I think that that keeps your stamina up um, to have groups of kids that you really connect with. I think for me, the, the times I loved teaching the most were the times that I felt like I could be myself and just kind of let go. And I wasn't so on all the time and worrying about every single little detail and some groups, I mean, it's just like people in general, some groups, you just really feel like you can be yourself more Mm -hmm. than others.
0: And so I was grateful to have that. Um, so what was the transition like going from like, I mean, cause you, I remember you, we were in a PLC meeting last year and you told us that, um, you said that you were leaving teaching for a little while to pursue some other things and you didn't know what that was yet and you were just mm-hmm. kind of waiting it out. So how was that process of you know, waiting to see what was going to come next? Cause You didn't start at your school till what, six weeks into the year? Yeah. Well, and for them, it was a lot, it was a
1: lot further along because the charter school starts in July, So they went from July to October. Um, They had somebody else in my position that pretty quickly moved. And so they, I mean, I'm amazed that. This position was open in October. It really was providential um, for me because I think, you know, I transitioned out of teaching, which was hard and sad, but I I really felt like I was doing the right thing. I think I felt a lot of peace about it um, and that propelled me forward. Um, and then I spent most of the summer, I took a month off and just let myself have a summer. And then I spent most of the rest of the summer job searching and doing, spending a lot of time doing, um, informational interviews, which I would just go meet with people in the counseling social work field and learn about what they did, which was really helpful because I think it helped narrow down what I wanted to do. Um, and then I, I interviewed for some jobs and nothing felt like the right fit and then It was so strange because I got two job offers within the same, I don't know, week for two, two jobs that I would have absolutely loved. And it was a really tough decision. Um, but the other job was temporary. Like it was for somebody on maternity leave Mm -hmm. and this one was more permanent. Um, and so I ended up deciding to do this and it's, um, I'm really grateful that I made the decision that I did. Um, I think for this season, getting to be creative again, has been really inspiring. What do you miss about teaching?
0: What's been hard? Hmm. I think the
1: main thing I miss about teaching is having that group of kids that's just yours, um, because I'm all over the place and kids are still getting to know me and teachers too, that I don't really, I don't have the same level of relationship that I used to. Um, but I'm getting there. I think it's just taking time. So I miss having that group of kids that you see every day is consistent. Cause I think the other thing that's unique about my job is I work at two schools. I'm shared between two campuses. And so, uh,
0: I'm like kind of two feet or mm-hmm. one foot in each you door. commute during the day. So, or are you like Sundays? I, I, I no,
1: off. I, I switch off every other day. It's like so it's like Monday, Wednesday at one school and Tuesday, Thursday at another. And then on Fridays I, take turns.
0: Sure. Yeah. So even yeah. though you're counseling at a charter school, you're still counseling. So how, like, how can, uh-huh. how should teachers support you? And then how can you support teachers?
1: I mean, I think something that's unique about me being in this role is that I was a teacher. Um, so when I'm in a classroom or talking with teachers, I, at the the very least have the ability to say, I know what that feels like, or I know how you're feeling right now. And I think as a teacher, I would have loved nothing more than for somebody to just listen to me. Um, and so, you know, as much as I counsel kids, I do spend some time not formally, but informally counseling teachers, um, because their job is stressful. And to have somebody who's kind of removed from, you know, I'm not evaluating teachers. I'm not there to judge. I'm, I can just be kind of a listening ear. Um, so I think that's something I do to support them. Uh, I also work in classrooms. So I'll go in classrooms and help teachers brainstorm ideas for how to work with specific kids or just for things that are like, are not working in their classroom. And I know that would have been so helpful to me to to have somebody else in my room that could say, Oh, well, what if you tried this? Or what if you did this? Um, because I always wanted more feedback as a teacher, whether positive or constructive. And so
0: giving teachers feedback, how can teachers support you? Like what is What do we need to do as teachers to help you as a counselor?
1: Yeah. Um, I think the biggest thing, well, two things. I think realizing that, you know, I am in a role to support, but not to fix. um, I think I I don't have all the answers and um, I would love to be able to just snap my fingers and change kids behavior, but really that's not my role. And so when teachers don't see the results that they are hoping for to realize that change and behavior and all of us are in a process. And so we need to be patient with kids and give them time to grow and, um, at their own pace. And I think the other thing is just to be a friend again, because, in between two campuses, it's just taken time to build relationships, and so teachers that have gone out of their way to be kind to me and make me feel welcome—I mean, even showing me like, "Oh, here's the the Google Shared Drive for our campus. Let me make sure you have that." <laughs> it just may, it means a lot to somebody, especially coming in mid-year.
0: Well, I think going to a new school. I mean, I've taught at the same school all six years, so yeah, you know, going in was. I mean, I haven't had to do that transition of like knowing, like having a a school culture and having a community and then, um, going to where you don't know anybody, but everybody knows each other. And like, I have a friend who, um, well, Shelly, you know, her from our school. She, I I think it was the day before meet the teacher night or no, the day of meet the teacher night was moved to another campus. And I know that for her, it's. You know, just like go getting into that like trying to make friends when everybody already has their kind of groups established and whatnot can be really difficult and challenging,
1: oh yeah, I mean, I'm a huge advocate for mentor teachers for new teachers to the campus, um not necessarily new to the profession teachers, but just to show you like here's. Where the, you know, where you fill up your water bottle and here's how to uh, make
0: copies. I mean, just simple things like that. The Basics. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to, we're going to transition into not teaching related stuff. Okay. Is that okay? Yeah. Okay, go for it. So you started to talk about this before we were recording, but I wanted you to talk about it on here. Y'all are fostering a dog.
1: We are. Tell us about that. Yeah. Well, this is foster number three for us. And the very first time we did it was over the summer, right after Hurricane Harvey, because I just was like itching to do something to help. And there were a lot of dogs that were needing a home. And so, and also, I had more time being in the summer, and so I could uh, be home with the dog. And so we did that. And then over Christmas, we did the same thing, but our second foster dog got adopted really quickly. And so we're on foster number three. And so she's a sweet, uh, yellow lab and her name's Nike. Um, but she, (laughs) we got her about three days ago and she is probably the most shy dog I've ever been around. Um, So it's really rewarding to watch just her small changes and the small um, steps that she makes to try to be brave. Um, It's really been, uh, I've learned a lot from the process of fostering.
0: Where are y'all fostering through?
1: Well, we started through Austin Pets Alive, and then we want to adopt a dog this spring. Um, and we are both really drawn to lab Labradors. And so I found a lab rescue. It's exclusively labs out in Leander. And so we have gotten our last two fosters from them. It's called heart of Texas lab rescue. And so that's where Nike's from.
0: Oh, well, I was confused. Cause you said third, but then yeah, I remember seeing I on your Instagram, like last week, I thought it was It accepted. happened fast.
1: It happened fast. I know. And Jeff was I think I told you this. Jeff was is going on a, a work trip and I said, "Um, I'm going to need another dog.
0: <laughs> I so, need something to keep me company while you're gone."
1: I know. And she she might take some time to come out of her shell. So but. how do you not
0: adopt the dog that you're fostering?
1: I do not know. I have, (laughs) I have bawled my eyes out both times and yeah, every, you know, both times that we've adopted or somebody's adopted the dog, but I have to remind myself that that's why we're doing this. Um, we want them to be, because sometimes you get the last two dogs we got were pretty easily adoptable, um, meaning that they were already in a place that somebody would want to adopt them immediately, which is why we didn't have them long. But, um, this third dog, I think just because she is on the more timid shy side is just gonna, I feel like maybe take a little more time to rehabilitate. And so that's really rewarding, I think, which is why I keep doing it is to see dogs, um, transform.
0: Well, and at our school, I keep saying our school at my school, cause you're not there anymore. Uh, we have a teacher who is an avid dog person and, yes. she, and she, um, she helps foster out dogs. She fosters dogs herself and then, um, you know, tries to coordinate people. She's tried to get us a couple times and I just, I chicken out every time. But, um, I remember cause I asked her the same question. How do you like not fall in love with the dog and want to keep it. And she raised a really good point. She was like, well, when I'm giving a dog away, I'm essentially saving two dogs because I'm giving a dog to a home that can go. Mm-hmm. And then I'm opening up a spot in my home for another dog. Yeah, that's a great point. Yeah, and so we need to do it. I've just, I'm just nervous to like – well, we already have two dogs too. So bringing yeah. a third dog into the mix is kind of a little – nerve wracking.
1: Yeah. However, I I do know that some dogs, especially dogs that um, haven't had a lot of socialization can do really well in homes that have other dogs there because they see the other dogs getting a lot of attention and love from the humans. And so then they realize more quickly, like, oh, humans are okay. I can, I can handle this. But I don't know. I it's been such a rewarding experience for me. I've learned so much about like how the gospel permeates every area of our life. I mean, I, I think about how patient God is with me in my quirks and you um, with your dog. <laughs> yes, yeah. and my mistakes. I mean, I'm sure you know that ha- having yes. dogs, um, but then also having dogs that are kind of you know a little rough around the edges. <laughs> um, has tested our patience, And I think it also, we had a conversation recently where we realized, oh, well, if we can do this with a dog, maybe we could do this with a child someday. And so that just opened up a whole new world to us thinking like, well, maybe we could foster kids. Mm -hmm. And so we're not at that point yet, but, um, definitely we're more open to it now. Yeah.
0: Yeah, for sure. Okay. So you and I both listen to, uh, the happy hour, which is my favorite podcast. I don't know about you.
1: Yes. I love the happy hour.
0: So I'm totally stealing this from her and I don't know if that's okay or not, but she always has her guests share her, their three favorite things right now. And then, uh, what they're reading or something they've read recently. Uh So Tell us your favorite things right now and what you're reading or what book recommendations you have.
1: Okay. Well, I would have to say probably dog fostering is one of those.
0: Um, we're
1: loving doing that. Um, so I think that's one of my favorite things. I think so right before Christmas, I was at central market and I remember our coworker shout out to Casey Who always wore amber oil. Do you remember that?
0: No. You don't remember this? No.
1: Okay. So we had a coworker named Casey and she always smelled really good. And I would ask her, why do you, what do you smell so good? And it was amber oil. It's an essential oil. And she would just put it on like perfume. And I remember I had a student come up to me one morning and say, and give me a hug and say, Mrs. Sadler, you smell like milk, milk, (laughs) And then they hugged Miss Miller and was like, "Oh my gosh, you smell like heaven or something." And I realized then the stuff better be good.
0: So I started were you wearing that made you smell like milk. I
1: don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Whatever my perfume was apparently smelled like milk. Um and I'm not I'm actually not a big perfume person like you know, fancy perfume. I'll wear like body spray, but for the most part, I I don't really Um, And then, so I started wearing amber oil and I've gotten so many comments from people Hmm. that have said, wow, what is is that? You smell so good.
0: What are the benefits of it? You know, like lavender, you know, you put on. You
1: know, that's a great Mm -hmm. question. I looked it up one point and I don't remember what it said. I don't know if there's. A lot of benefits, but it's more because it, it smells, smells good. really good. So you can buy it at Central Market. I'm sure Whole Foods. You can get it in a tiny bottle, or you can get like a roll-on, so you can actually mm-hmm. roll it on. It just smells good. Hmm. I'll have to. I'm going to ask Casey about. We go back tomorrow, so I'll ask her. Tell her now that we don't work together, we can smell the same, and it won't be a big deal. <laughs> <laughs> um. And then Jeff and I are watching The Office on Netflix, which has been a lot of fun. Uh, we, I don't think he ever watched it when it was out. I did. But we are loving it. Um, I think at first he had, had a really hard time with Michael Scott, just like all the antics that he pulls. I don't know. Are you an Office I, fan?
0: I, I haven't gotten into it. Oh, man. I don't know. I know, but I will say like, I, I've tried to watch it on my own. I've never gotten into it. And then today Cody and I, um, have been just laying around after new year's was last night. So, you know, just kind of taking it easy today. And we started watching, um, uh, parks and rec, uh-huh. which is a really similar kind of show to the office. right? Yeah. And I have been like, LOLing so hard. So maybe once we finish this, I'll try the office again. I think you would like it.
1: I bet I, I would.
0: I, I mean, if I like Parks and Rec, I'm sure that I'll like that too. It's
1: the kind of thing, that, and plus because they're only 20 minutes, I feel yes, like you, you can, can watch. Yes. I had a friend, we had some friends over for breakfast this morning and she was saying, um... She and I are both easily kind of scared, and so we were talking about Stranger Things, which I don't know. Have you watched Stranger Things? Yes. Okay. And she was saying she was like, the only way I could handle Stranger Things is if I watched an episode of The Office afterward. It was like a, <laughs> it was like an Office chaser. I had to, so I could like calm down and not be scared that I was going to be in the Upside Down or something. Have you watched Stranger Things? Okay. Did I, you watch it? I watched two episodes, and I tried so hard to be brave. But I, I couldn't make it any further. I understand. I totally understand why people like it. Like I, you need you need to try it.
0: You need okay. to try it again. So I, I feel like it was. I feel like it took a couple episodes to get in for me. Okay. Okay. Jeff likes yeah. it, but I think he doesn't get it as scared as I do. <laughs> right. I I never really watched it by myself. I always watched it with Cody. Okay. Because it was kind of it, it's it's a little creepy. Yeah. At times. Okay. So what books are you reading or what books are you recommending? Um, Let's see over.
1: I haven't actually haven't read a lot over the break. I usually do. Um, But I just finished reading. This is kind of for work. I've just finished reading the whole brain child by Daniel Siegel. Um, It's, I mean, it's a book for anybody, but it could be for parents. It could be for teachers. I mean, I kind of used it as like a tool for counseling, but it's just all about um, how children's brains work and how you can use um, what you know about their brain development to help with discipline and communication. I I thought it was highly, highly valuable. And they have little cartoons and drawings throughout the book, which for, I know, I don't know if that sounds weird, but to me, it's really helpful because I like I'm a super visual learner. So having mm-hmm. like the little cartoons of the, them kind of like acting it out really helped me kind of like cement the ideas. Inter- yeah. Internalize. And then I've been trying to, um, read Brene Brown's book for a while. I got to see her live, um, over the summer which was a total treat are you familiar with Brene brown
0: i know who she is i haven't really i haven't really followed a lot of her stuff though kelly i know so, I, I i yeah so f- well, look it's, it's here maybe i'll read it next i know
1: so for those of you who don't know who she is she if the first thing i would do is go watch her ted talk
0: on vulnerability um I think it has like. I think that somebody at church. I think they might have used it in a sermon. Yeah,
1: I mean, I think it has like millions of views at this point. But she's a researcher and a social worker and a professor here in Texas, actually, and she um, researches vulnerability and shame. And my favorite book of hers is called "The Gifts of Imperfection," which. You know, we're both
0: perfectionists, so... Yeah, it's probably a book I need to read. (laughs) (laughs) What are you reading? Um, I'm going back and forth between two books right now. So uh, one of the books I got for Christmas was uh, Love Lives Here by Maria Goff.
1: Oh, yeah. Have you read Her
0: Husband? Yeah, Yeah, I read Love Does years ago. Um, And so when she came out with this book, I wanted to read it. It's good. I like it. That's my favorite kind of book is like the little chapter essay type books. Um, And then I'm also reading. uh, I think it's called the Beauty Detox Solution by Kimberly Snyder, and it's like a. Amy from the Bobby Bones show uses Mm -hmm. it, and she's super skinny. So maybe if I read it, I'll become super skinny. (laughs) Is it like a detox? I mean, is it like a diet? It's it's. I mean, I don't want to say it's a diet, but it's more like it's learning about how food like breaks down in your body and how you should eat food. um, Like there's a certain order in which you should eat food so that it breaks down in your body correctly so that you're not um, your body isn't spending all this energy. Okay. So here's how she explained it. Think of like um, when you, okay, I'm having to think through this. Sorry. So like fruit, for example, breaks down within like 20 minutes in your body. Mm -hmm. So that's, you always want to eat fruit on an empty stomach because it breaks down so quickly. Whereas like meat and um, protein takes hours to break down. So you want to eat that like at the end of the day, when your body like has time to rest and isn't using, like you don't want to eat a bunch of meat and then put fruit on top of it. And then the fruit's going to sit there and just like ferment and you're not getting its nutrients. Like by the time it makes it to your intestines, the nutrients are gone. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. I
1: I, uh, learned a little bit about this when I had some friends that did,
0: um, like a raw diet, but they would do, huh? She talks about that in her book, but they would do
1: raw until dinner. So they would, Mm -hmm. they would eat raw all the way until dinner. And then they would eat cooked stuff, I guess with the same idea that you get more of the nutrients when you have Mm -hmm. an empty stomach. And so they would do like, they would have a, they had a juicer would juice for breakfast and then
0: eat a salad for lunch. And then, I don't know. I think it's interesting. It is. Well, and I've been thinking about you a lot while I've been reading it because I know for a while you were vegetarian. Are you still, or did you? I'm kind of in the middle. Yeah. And, um, but they talk about how like people think, that if you're vegetarian, Oh, and I think I asked you this, well, where do you get your protein from? Yeah, And um, she talks about in the book, how vegetables have way more protein than even meat does. You have to eat more vegetables to get like more, you have to eat more vegetables than meat to get protein, but by volume, um, vegetable has way more protein in it. And I don't know, it's just interesting to like learn about those kinds of things because I think you know, you're raised where, you know, you have to have one meat and a starch and a vegetable for every meal. Like that's how I was raised.
1: Yeah. Well, and yeah. I think I remember reading somewhere that talks about, um, the American diet is so like not well, accurate. It's, well, and it's so diverse anyway. So, and we're eating so much more than people. Around the world, typically eat in a day, and so he was saying that people are so worried about where they're going to get protein, but really, like if you eat a varied diet, there's, there's, get there's no way. I mean, don't quote me on this. I'm not a doctor, but there's no way that you're not going to get protein.
0: Well, the mic drop moment for me was um, there were two of them when I read the book. The first one is she starts off the book talking about gorillas and how gorillas are like one of the biggest, strongest, most powerful animals on earth. And, um, they're not, they eat an all vegetable diet. They do. And then she talked about cows. Everybody's like, Ooh, you need meat to get to get protein, yada, yada, yada. But where like cows don't eat meat, they eat grass. Mm -hmm. And that's where we're going for our biggest source of protein, but they don't even eat meat for protein. So I don't know. We've given everybody a lesson on (laughs) (laughs) take it or leave it. Yeah, take a yeah. shot. Um, okay, but one other thing I did read, and I know you've read this, is The Life-Changing Magic of Tidying Up. Yes. I read that in like a day and a half, and Cody probably could have killed me because um, I made him – well, I went through most of the house, but I made him go through his closet and clean out and get rid of So our garage is full of stuff. We're ready for a garage sale now. It
1: feels so good, though. It does. And let me tell you this, Kelly. It's funny that you say that because today – one of the things I wanted to do over the break was like just do a mini purge mm-hmm. just to start kind of the year fresh. Um, and what I realized is I, as I went around, I like went around the whole house, um, looked in my closet, looked in the kitchen, yada, yada. And I really could not find a lot of stuff, which is surprising to me. And I think what it's, it's saying to me is that I've like kept up with the habits more mm-hmm. over. Cause I read that book, Gosh, you read it a while back. I read it not last summer, but summer before last. It was
0: right after you got married, so like a I year and a half.
1: I know my poor husband. I made him like clean out all of this stuff right after when we got married, but um, it it helps later on because then you're more you're more able to quickly decide like, oh, I don't like this, or oh, this did not bring me joy. I'm I don't need it, and you just get that's you, my
0: new phrase right now. It right? doesn't bring me joy. Not bring me joy. No, bye. I know.
1: Um, I was going to recommend one more book to you on the topic of um, health. Uh, Have you read the the Woman Code? Mm -mm. Okay, no. I think you should look into that. Okay, it's it's a it's like a merge between probably the book you're reading now and like uh, the
0: taking charge of your fertility. Hmm, I have to look. It's interesting because we're reading that book as well. I love it. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for being on the show. I'm just happy to be here. Yeah, this was fun. I appreciate all your wisdom and, um, you know, just your tips and and ideas for teachers. So, thank you so much. Well, and sometime you should interview yourself because I know you have
1: a lot of tips and ideas for teachers too.
0: Maybe they That's just need awkward. to go read your blog. Yes. that You could find a lot of stuff there. I know. Thanks for the plug, Holly. You're welcome. <laughs> Wasn't our conversation so much fun? I loved hearing the wisdom Holly shared about how to deal with rough students that are beyond our control. We've all been there, right? and how she talked about welcoming the new teacher on campus. We're so busy as teachers, and I know I'm 100% guilty of neglecting to check in on those newbies to the school. What a great reminder to reach out to them and welcome them, even after the first few days. Everything we talked about in today's show is over on my website, thesimplyorganizedteacher.com. Even that book that I was talking about, you know, the one where I pretended to know about cows and protein and meat and whatever. Make sure you sign up for my email list while you're there so you can get the show notes straight to your inbox. Hey, thanks for listening to another episode of Simply Teach. Don't forget to head over to the simplyorganizedteacher.com for all of the show notes for this week's episode. You can visit the store to grab your copy of the Simply Organized Classroom ebook, a book I wrote all about ways to organize and manage your classroom effectively. Use the code simplyteach for 10% off any items in the store. The fun music you're listening to, that's provided by hooksounds.com. Thanks for listening to this week's
1: episode of Simply Teach. We hope you feel encouraged and inspired to continue being the amazing teacher you are. Make sure to join us back next week for a new episode. Oh, and don't forget to subscribe on iTunes and leave a review so other great teachers like you can find us. And you can help Mrs. Jackson broadcast broadcast out with five some five-star reviews. Uh, I meant to say you can help Mrs. Jackson podcast out with some five-star reviews.